the unsurpassed, penetrating, and perfect truth is seldom met with, even in a hundred thousand myriad kalpas. Now we can see it, and we can remember and accept it. I vow to make the Buddha's truth one with myself. Homage to the Buddha, homage to the Dharma, homage to the Sangha. seems like what we start our Dharma talks these days with is something like, these days there's a lot of people suffering in the world, which I think that's a pretty good general consensus. And that's where I'm going to start today. There are a lot of people suffering in the world, and it's intense suffering, and it's uh, bothersome. It's difficult for us to see and also difficult for us to experience in our own lives. What I found uh, in reading, I do Dharma reading, is a poem that um, caught my attention and I thought I would uh, share it with you and then address what it has to say to me and make an offering about the condition of the world and of ourselves. It's by uh, Shanti Deva and it's from a book called A Guide to the Bodhisattva's Way of Life. And it speaks about generosity. If the perfection of generosity were the alleviation of the world's poverty, then, since beings are still starving now, in what manner did the previous Buddhas perfect it? Good question. That's what got my attention. The next uh, set of verse is, the perfection of generosity is said to be the thought to give others everything, together with the fruit of such a thought. Hence, it is simply a state of mind. Okay? That's a juicy topic for me. What I'm offering today is um, something that is realistic and will benefit ourselves and others in practicing generosity, which, as most of you have heard, generosity or those kinds of practices help ourselves, and in helping ourselves kind of clear the, the air, it actually helps others but probably not on the scale of stuff that we see and hear about over and over again of really dire situations that are disturbing. However, we don't know that. And that's what I'm going to develop a little bit. One thing I wanted to um, bring up is doubt. And how do we practice generosity with with that thought of doubt? Well, doubt is an inclination not to receive or accept, or it's something is questionable. I like that word. It gives rise to questions about practicing generosity, for instance. What's the point of practicing generosity? Nice word, but, you know, okay. 
And a question I, I asked myself a little, I was kind of in jest, but it says, why do I want to practice being generous to others when I'm the one who is in pain and suffering? <laughs> I thought, yeah, I think a lot of people can say that kind of thing. However, um, I remember a story from a long time ago, <clears throat> and it was about um, children who are really sick in a children's hospital. And so these are really sick kids with terminal cancer and, you know, really um, a lot of medical intervention to um, keep them going or not. A difficult situation. But there was one child who had terminal cancer who was very generous. He walked around and was just talking to all the other children, not the nurses or the parents, but the kids that were also in the same boat as he was. And what he was known for is he had a bright heart. And he wasn't focused on his suffering as much as perhaps some others were. So he helped others out by getting, letting go of his own intense focus on his own suffering. He was able to do that and to be generous. And if others saw the bright heart in him, he probably felt that bright heart himself because that's how others perceive um, us is a quality like that that would shine. <clears throat> I found a, a story too from the Buddha's time that we've heard over and over again but it just is good. So it's a story I think that we have heard like I said in the Buddha's time, and it relates to our situation today as well. And it's a story of the Kalamas. And this is a story of doubt. And it's also a story of Shakyamuni's uh, generosity in um, addressing a problem that he was wondering. I mean, he just made an offering without this expectation of, you know, things would go this way or that. He was generous with an open mind. So the Kalamas were um, having a lot of, um, what do they call them, um, ascetics come to their community or to their area. And, you know, it seems like they would give Dharma talks or they would give talks about their own view. And in the process of doing that, they would vilify um, somebody else that was giving a Dharma talk the next day or in another part of the, the town. And so every time the pattern seemed to be that these um, ascetics would give a talk and the people would come to listen because they wanted to know how to live their lives, you know, in a better way. And after a while they heard all these Dharma talks and all this kind of degrading and criticizing, this just sounds so, you know, kind of pertinent to what's going on, that they were totally confused. And so the the Buddha at that time was um, another person that they said, well, maybe we could ask him, see what he has to offer. So what they did is they brought their doubt about what to do to the Buddha. Okay? <clears throat> and he said, it is, this is the Buddha, Shakyamuni, it is fitting for you to be perplexed, O Kalamas. It is fitting for you to be in doubt. Doubt has arisen in you about a perplexing matter. 
become Kalamas, do not go by oral tradition, by lineage of teaching, by hearsay, by a collection of texts, by logic, by inferential reasoning, by reason cogitation, by the acceptance of a view without pondering it, by the seeming competence of a speaker, or because you think, this ascetic is our teacher. But when you know for yourselves these things are unwholesome, these things are blamable, these things are censored by the wise, these things, if undertaken in practice, lead to harm and suffering, then you should abandon them. And then he goes into um, the difference between wholesome harm or unwholesome uh, thoughts and harmful, which would be harmful, and then the, the things that are harmless and wholesome thoughts. And he says, what do you think? Are these wholesome or unwholesome? Venerable Sir, we think they're unwholesome. This is what the ascetics were offering. Blamable or blameless? Blamable, Venerable Sir. So he goes through this dialogue and they come around to saying, oh, so what these ascetics were offering, maybe, um, yeah, we can see that they made the decision. They're unwholesome. And then to move on, to, um, you know, these things, let me get, do not go by oral tradition, by teaching of, by hearing hearsay, by collection of logic, etc., and so on like you did before, um, based on what you have heard. These, the, okay, these things are wholesome, these things are blameless. These things are praised by the wise, these things have undertaken practice lead to welfare and happiness then you should engage in them. So he didn't insist on anything, but he presented something in a real kind of clear way that, uh, do you think this is harmful or not? Yes or no. I mean, it must have been really clear. Or is this uh, not harmful or is it wholesome? And based on that, then you can find a way to um, take take on a a plan of um, action. And he wasn't saying, this is what you need to do, or what I said is going to um, be the way. But it's a way for you to find the way for yourself. Give it your own expression, which I think most of us understand that if you're learning to do something, it takes a lot of of, uh, discovery, um, investigating. This works, this doesn't work, this maybe I don't understand it. And, And to continue on in that pathway to um, make it your own expression. Okay. And I found some two quotes that I like about um, doubt. One is from Shobogenzo. Because if you say doubt, you know, in your mind about doubting, say, the teaching of generosity, If you do not give up by saying, I can't understand this, then by all means you will be able to understand, for you will be able to ask about it. In other words, if you're you're doubting it and you uh, say, I don't understand, that doesn't mean that you have rejected it and made it like uh, it's a, 
off limits. But if you just say, I don't understand, that actually opens the door to ask questions about it. Okay? And um, since they are words that have all... Oh, so you will be able to ask about it. Since they are words that have already been voiced by a Buddha, you should listen to them, and by listening, you may also come to understand them. So it's not insisting, it's just say to listen and to bring it in, and again, to make it your own expression. To give it, it, it's like giving it, to, giving it life within yourself, you know, starting to develop that. Then Reverend Master Jiu, in Roar of the Tigress One, um, was, there was a, a chapter where she, she uh, was asked a number of questions. And so this is the, a question about doubt. You mentioned not doubting, but what do I do about doubt? I have a lot of doubts about everything, about myself, about what I'm doing, etc. And her answer is, doubt is extraordinarily valuable. Doubt turns into faith, and faith turns into certainty. Without doubt, you can get nowhere. I would be grateful if I were you that you had doubt. You have something to work with. <laughs> That's for Mr. Jiu. She cuts to the chase. That's really great. Um, so that's, doubt can be a helpful thing, you know, it's not, you know, it has its good, very good qualities that can actually help us out with learning to practice generosity. Another part of practicing generosity is acceptance. Let's see here. Because without acceptance, we really have a hard time Giving generosity in our practice its uh, full uh, due, in other words, to really give it a chance to help us out. You know, without acceptance, we're, we we are living in a, a close, more of a closed world. But acceptance opens us up to the situation. For instance, if you hear the news and your first thought is like you scoff at something, oh, I can't believe they're doing that. Well, that doesn't come across as acceptance, right? <laughs> However, if you can restrain, or even if that comes up, then to say, oh, well, you know, that is a habit I have. Is that a wholesome thought? Is that a good, helpful thought? Is that going to lead me to something that, where I want to go? I would say for myself, probably not. You know, that's not a good pathway. Um, and to let that go. And I don't say, can't say for myself, I always have an, uh, something wholesome that just pops right in. But I think it's more to be still within that because within that stillness uh, is the answer that will help us find something that is wholesome to do by being more open and not critical. And I'll talk about that part of things in just a minute. And one time, in terms of, uh, you know, if you read something or somebody says something, and you're just going, ah, you bite, you know, it's like that. Well, that's unwholesome. And I just, I had this, I heard this story that there's an animal, believe it or not, that has two sets of teeth. And the second set, he can retract, or the animal can retract. I thought, what a nice skill to have. And I thought, if I had retractable teeth, I thought, my <laughs> My life would be, I mean, it's totally silly, but it's the kind of thing that kind of, um, 
I don't know, gets my imagination like, oh, nice. Cheers me up. Silly humor, you know. Um, I also find if I can, if I react to something and I can see that I'm not accepting and that's not what I want to do, it's often because if I could give myself a little bit of time to reflect on it. We have a lot of habitual things that come up that we just, there we are biting with those teeth, you know. And they, and I have found if I can learn a skill like breathing, take a walk, get out of the situation, or look at, just look at something that is just a, um, neutral so I can be with the situation that that's where I can find the help that I need to figure out what the next step might be. And, it, and I never have, um, what do you call it, um, expectations or set agendas with that kind of thing. I'm just completely open. It's more like, I don't know what to do. I really don't know what to do. Um, and here I am, <laughs> a mess, you know. And what can I do about that, you know? I'm a practicing Buddhist, and I would like to practice in this light, generosity. What do I do about that? And over the years, I have found a way, and I'll I'll talk about that, that has helped me. So how is it that, or wait, so generosity to be put into practice um, needs to sustain us spiritually. You know, we need... The, the feedback that really what we're doing is um, worthwhile. You know, and what does that mean? Well, uh, again, being open to that as a possibility that it is worthwhile is what um, will help us out. Um, so to sustain us is, I looked up the word sustain or sustainability, and sustainability is support by adequate proof that what we are doing or practicing is supporting us. Nice idea, you know. Again, the the found the um, what's the word? The ground for all of this is through our practicing it and putting it into our own practice, rather than um, thinking about it intellectually, but to really kind of take it internally and see if it really is something that we can do. Put it into practice, make it um, something that we're going to try out, this and that, you know, that discovery uh, pathway. That's how we find our way. Because intellectualizing doesn't really um, help us a whole lot, but it it, it is a starting point. It's a place to um, uh, come back to, but not to um, find um, that support that we, I think we all would like that. I certainly do. And one thing that I found for my own self is taking refuge in the three treasures. You know, I've heard that. I've been a monk. Well, let's see here. I came here in 19, 1979. And so I've heard about the three treasures for a long, long time. But I didn't really think too much about them. You know, they were part of it. And they were very uh, good. And I understood, or at that time, you know, I would understand a little bit about them. But years ago, we saw that movie Dogen, and he was on his deathbed. This is a movie, but it was based on his story of his life. 
and he got he was on his deathbed, you know, and thinking that he that he was going to die any minute or soon. And he got up, and there was a pillar, and he walked around the pillar reciting the three treasures. And in my mind, I I I've read the Shobogenza, believe it or not, three times now, and I thought. If he he felt that that three treasures were that important, I said, maybe I should look at it a little closer. So I've been doing that with my own practice. And in moments when I um, can see that my teeth have not retracted, but they're kind of out there (laughs) in full force, then I can step back and give myself a chance to take refuge in the three treasures. So that's the Buddha the Dharma, and the Sangha. So that would be the Buddha and his teaching, his life, the Dharma, the, the, that which he was teaching all of us, and the Sangha, all of the people over the centuries that have uh, taken to the Buddhist practice. So I've been doing that in moments where I do not know what to do. And I, I've, in a way that I have uh, done it... Um, to make it grounded for me is I'll say, I, uh, you know, I'll say, first of all, I don't know what to do, and then uh, I'll take refuge in the three treasures. I t- and then I'll say, I take refuge in the Buddha now with faith. And that adding, adding of faith somehow grounds me like it just changes something into a wider view. Over time, that's what's happened. I take refuge in the Dharma now, with faith, and it's not like this, you know, there is not that intellectual kind of mind, but it has a real grounding effect that I find helpful. doesn't give me answers right away, but at least it kind of clears the ground so that I have a chance of understanding, hearing, being open to another way to do something, and I welcome that. Tell you the truth, I am so tired of my own reactions of things that I've done forever that at this point <laughs> I am willing to look at other ways and do them, see if they work, you know, just like we're talking about here. Okay. So I find that the taking refuge in the three treasures is, the three refuges, is something that sustains me. And it's not like a, a fix-it kind of thing, or but it's more an, I'm willing to be open in the moment where before I was not. And I find that uh, it, it's, it's a skill. It takes a while to develop that, but it's viable for me, and it's uh, essential. You know, it's essential. It's a part of my life now. You know, there's still this other kind of biting stuff, but, you know, there's also this other aspect of my life that is real. It's a refuge, you know, just like I would like. <laughs> so I'm going to conclude with uh, Shanti Deva's um, poem again, and I'll add a little bit towards the end. <clears throat> if the perfection of generosity were the alleviation of the world's poverty, poverty, then since beings are still starving now, in what manner did the previous Buddhas perfect it? And the second verse is, the perfection of generosity Generosity is said to be the thought to give others everything together with the fruit of such a thought. Hence it is simply a state of mind. Well, for me, the word, the thought to give others everything is the intention in the moment wholeheartedly. Okay, again, that's grounding things in the moment. And to be open in that moment 
and to see and do. And the generous heart is already there to do what needs to be done in the moment. And that gives us the, um, what do you call it, the motivation. The fruits of that give us the motivation to continue to practice generosity. Did I, if I jumped ahead too much on all that? But there's that practice of being still. The generosity is already there, and I do it with this, the means of taking refuge in the three treasures. Well, then that generosity itself is the reward. And it's something that just pops up. It's not something that I am manipulating or controlling. And so, um, you, you know, I, you can't say, well, I'm practicing generosity and I'm a generous person. Nope, it doesn't work that way, but it's more I'm willing to be in the moment, to be more open, and within that, and I have the intention of generosity, you know, that I would like to be more generous, more open, more universal. You know, we, we can do this, and the generosity is part of that. You can't extract the two. So that's what I have for the talk for today. Thank you.